the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon. Welcome. It, of course, is Tuesday, 29th day of June, and I hope you're having a good week so far here in the new week as we head into the um, extended Fourth of July or Independence Day weekend. Be safe out there, would you, as you're gathering? I know we're all excited about the prospect of spending time with family and friends again. Be aware that that um, the Delta variant related to COVID-19, um, they're beginning to see incidences of it infecting people who've already been inoculated. So what that means, we can only guess. Bottom line is play it safe. Don't take any unnecessary chances. If you're going to be in uh, tight quarters, probably wearing a mask isn't a bad idea. That's what the CDC is advising. And um, be safe, too. Um, a lot of folks sometimes, particularly after we've been locked down for as long as we have, want to kind of get all that pent-up energy out. So there are folks on the road who have had one too many when they shouldn't be driving. So just be safe this weekend and uh, skip the fireworks. Probably a good idea, not only in terms of protecting life and limb, but given the extreme fire danger we're facing right now, um, it might be smart for we here in California to just kind of put the whole fireworks experience in the past, let the professionals do it. Those shows are far more spectacular anyway and uh, and a lot safer. The other thing I want to mention before we get down to cases is I hope that at the top of your daily prayer list are the families that are still sitting waiting, watching, wondering in the wake of that tragic building collapse in Seaside, Florida. They've just here announced in the last hour that a 12th victim has been recovered. There yet remains over 150 people unaccounted for. And as I've watched the videos, we all have of them seemingly removing rubble with the same challenge as it would be to try to I don't know, drain a swimming pool with a thimble. Um, it just seems to be an undaunting task. Um, and the amount of stress and strain, not only in the families, but on the rescue workers, as we go from day four to day five into day six, Thursday will be the start of a whole new week. And of course, every hour becoming more and more critical in finding survivors, if there are any. So I just urge you to be in prayer for these families um, this has got to be a horrific experience, particularly in this this protracted period of just simply not knowing. So we as the church should be in prayer for the families and that uh, God would give them strength during this very difficult time. All right, we're going to pivot to a number of topics on both the uh, domestic as well as international stage on today's program. 
And um, I want to begin first with the fact that believers historically in the United States have generally, up until recent decades, enjoyed a fairly hassle-free life. And by that I mean if you went to work and you wore a small cross around your neck, nobody gave you a bad time. If you told the boss you couldn't work on Sundays because you go to church, that's no big deal. You needed time off at Christmas. That was okay, too. But that atmosphere is changing, and ever so rapidly. And while it can be argued that um, folks that have, um, shall we say, a decidedly more liberal or left position and may voice it in the workplace and enjoy protections from everything from maybe a union to the ACLU, believers have not. Believers generally have been, for the most part, on their own. Well, the good news, of course, there there are organizations such as the Pacific Justice Institute for more than 20 years now uh, has provided free legal aid um, to individuals who have faced discrimination, not just in the workplace, but in other aspects of life as well. And uh, I understand now that there is a, a special union, in a sense, taking place or a partnership. We want to find out more about this and what it means, particularly for employees who face discrimination on a daily basis simply because they're believers. Brad Dacus joins us now, the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Counselor, as always, great to have you with us. And tell us a bit about this new partnership that's being forged between PJI and the Christian Employers Alliance. Yeah, Craig, uh, you know, we at Pacific Justice Institute have been known for a long time as a legal organization that defends uh, religious freedom, not just, you know, um, against the government or just with just churches, that also defending employers and employees when it comes to them being able to live and practice their faith uh, in the workplace. Well, we have, uh, we've partnered with this organization now that's um, really working hard to reach out to business owners, a lot of business owners that have connected with them saying, hey, we need resources. Uh, to know what the, uh, the, what we can do in the workplace with our business. How can we evangelize our employees? Um, how about our customers? Hey, what can we do in the community as a business uh, that's legal and that's not going to cause us to be sued uh, with regard to our faith and expressions of our faith, uh, even partnering with churches? So we're, uh, we're helping business owners in that regard. Well, that's what this uh, alliance is about. And they also uh, work to, uh, together to pull... Um, to pull other Christian business organizations together so that there's uh, a unified voice, if you will. Well, we have Pacific Justice Institute, Craig. We have great resources. We have a training video, Faith and Workplace training video to train business owners on how they can do these things. We have a quarterly newsletter, Faith and Workplace newsletter. All this is without charge, along with our legal counsel, legal defense for um, any of these business owners out there. So it's, it's a great partnership with the Christian Employers Alliance uh, as we serve as we provide free resources to those that they're serving. Uh, we, we love the opportunity to synergistically uh, work with others who are kingdom-driven and uh, want to impact uh, the world uh, for, for Christ. Now, clarify a point, if you would, for us, Counselor. Uh, the, the organization that you guys are going to be working with, and let's be clear, Pacific Justice Institute continues to do what it does, as it has for 20 years. No changes there. It's just a bit of a partnership, as we as we indicate, that will help provide broader and greater resources to individuals out there who are dealing with cases of discrimination in the workplace and elsewhere. But I'm, I'm struck by the title, Christian Employers Alliance. Um, 
Does that mean that it exclusively works with Christian employers? What about the employees who may be working for a generic company, meaning a, a company that doesn't have any sort of um, uh, faith uh, component to it whatsoever? It's just a secular business doing secular work. Um, do they provide assistance for those folks as well? Yeah, they're, they're um, focused on the employers. That's their, that's their focus. We have, the good news, though, is that we at Pacific Justice Institute not only provide empowerment for Christian employers, but as you well know, with our many cases we've had, we also defend employees. About 9 out of 10 of all the employees that we've protected because of their Christian faith and workplace are people who work for the government, not the private sector, ironically. For some reason, the government seems to be the most intolerant, hostile place to work, relatively speaking, when it comes to to people of faith. And so that said, there are occasions where you'll have a private sector employer who just, uh, you know, is is outright hostile towards a a Christian employee. Um, That does happen uh, at times. But uh, we we at Pacific Justice, we fill in that gap to make sure that the employees get protection. And then we also work with other Christian business organizations like this this, uh, Christian Employers Alliance to make sure that Christian-owned businesses uh, are thriving and fully following the call of God to be glorified in their businesses and not intimidated necessarily by their HR or or others who who are trying to uh, discourage them from doing so. And, Counselor, based historically on your experience, uh, these cases of of discrimination, you mentioned that it seems to have a a, a greater abundance, a higher degree within the uh, government employee sector, which I don't know necessarily is a surprise to anyone listening. But that said, do, do you find a greater abundance of cases where acts of, be it overt or covert, uh, discrimination against Christians. I- is it largely because of ignorance, uh, misapplication, or misunderstanding, or unawareness of the law? Or are there a handful or maybe more of cases where, no, the discrimination against a Christian is quite intentional? You know, I would say 20 years ago, it was more, you know, ignorance of the law. Today, I would, it, it's definitely more towards hostility towards Christians. Uh, the, the people, they, they see someone who's a Christian, um, they're aware of what Christians believe, uh, what the Bible teaches, and, and, um, and they see it now, they, they see that Christian as a, an affront, uh, to them and what they believe and, 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 and how they live their lives. So it's, uh, our society is, uh, is much more, uh, as we become less culturally homogenous, um, the, the hostility against Christians and people's Christian worldview and values has become more and more blatant. And uh, that's why we're, we're so busy across the country with our 13 offices, actually 15 offices in 13 states, uh, taking on these cases all over, all over the country now. And if folks eavesdropping on our conversation uh, are maybe nodding their head with you saying, oh boy, don't you know it, and I have really have a sense that my rights have been violated, but I don't know how to defend myself, I don't know how to make a statement for my case, I'm fearful that if I speak up, there may be retaliation against me that could go up to and including potential termination, there have been threats made against me, I can't afford to lose this job. I have a family to care for. I need the insurance, whatever 
the case might be. If someone is in a position like that, and maybe they're not even certain that they've been discriminated against, but they just get a funny feeling that they have been, and I think that's legitimate as well. If folks need information or um, want to get some insight as to whether or not, yes, this is a case of discrimination, or no, an employer has a right to request X or insist that Y, how can they reach you? Well, they, they first should, should go to our website and sign up to get our legal insider newsletter. It's once a week, but it's going to really empower them to know what their rights are and what they can do. Um, but also, they can contact us directly uh, at uh, our uh, on our on the website and uh, just you know request quick request for assistance. We do all our work without charges. You know, we pick up all the costs, and we've served countless numbers, thousands and thousands, and we really try to get things resolved in the most non-confrontational way necessary. But if we have to, just do we we uh, we do a good job, and our clients are you know usually are very very happy with the outcome. But that uh, we don't charge for our work. We pick up all the costs, all the expenses. They should never hesitate to contact us. We're Christian uh, based, and so we see the big picture. Uh, and I know our, our people of the faith really appreciate that. And again, to get more information, you can simply go online to pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. Or you can call them, based right here in Northern California, 916-857-6900. 916-857-6900. There's Brad Dacus, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, with that update. All right, 18 past the hour, let's get you an update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Many of us going back decades have talked about the dangers of China's controversial one-child policy, which led, of course, to some alarming rates in relationship to abortion in China. Many of those abortions taking place for cultural reasons, because culturally... The family name is passed on, the family heritage is passed on through the firstborn male child. Well, if you're not allowed to have multiple children, the only child that you have happens to be a daughter. Well, you can see the results. And therefore, the reason why for decades, China has had a significant imbalance between men and women, particularly of procreation age, because of the failed controversial one-child policy. Well, in recent years, China has been changing that, but at least you think they have woken to the reality of abortion on demand and have somehow found a sense of morality that has directed their change in the policy from one child to two, now to three, with rumors having it that in the next couple of years, they could lift restrictions on the number of children altogether. Uh, this is not because of some moral high ground that they've decided to take, but rather because they're beginning to realize that they have a significantly aging population. And I suppose some insiders familiar with the matter might even argue to you that they need to see a significant uptick in the birth rate in China just for them to be able to remain competitive. And I suppose some might even suggest in the changing climate politically in the world today, build a bigger army. Reggie Littlejohn joins us now. 
Reggie is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, an international coalition that has helped to educate the world and expose what's been going on in countries like China related to abortion, gender side, and even sexual slavery. And Reggie, is always, a delight and an education to have you join us. Reggie, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Ah, there you are. Now I hear you. Okay. I think we had to put another nickel in the uh, the, <laughs> the telephone slot. Boy, I date I, I myself when I so say much. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hey, thank hey. you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, it's an honor to be here. Well, always great to have you with us. And and uh, as usual, when you come on board, you wind up sharing some nugget or uh, shedding some light on an important issue. And uh, today is certainly no different. You know, I, I was just getting comfortable in a sense that, gee, maybe China is finally coming to the realization of the damage that they have done to themselves through this controversial one-child policy to become two, to become three, maybe potentially to lift the uh, restrictions altogether here, and that somehow maybe uh, they had kind of found uh, uh, found their way to a moral high ground. But as you suggest um, in, in a, a recent um, commentary, uh, that's not quite the case, that they, yes, may be looking at perhaps even in, within a short period of time um, – lifting all birth restrictions in the next few years, the reasoning behind it has very little to do with the moral high ground or doing the right thing. Tell us what's going on. Well, you're absolutely right about that, Craig. And and basically, they moved from a two-child policy to a three-child policy because their two-child policy was an utter failure. Uh, they, they realized years ago that they are desperate to have more babies because of their rapidly aging population. They instituted the two-child policy. The birth rate went up for a year, and then it has plummeted to the lowest level in decades since then. And so they have taken the irrational uh, move of, of, of creating a three-child policy as though that will work when the two-child policy didn't work. But the thing that, that is so infuriating about it is that they, the new rule is every couple is allowed to have three children, and that means that it remains illegal in China for people who are not a member of a couple to have a baby. And uh, Radio Free Asia came out last year with a report citing an official Chinese Communist Party news source saying that China routinely abort, like aborts 8 million extra pregnancies a year. So who are those extra pregnancies? I think that they are probably mostly single women, and those are going to continue to be forcibly aborted under the three-child policy. And, you know, it's not like they've repented of, of that. They just need babies. So the question is, why are they waiting? Why, why can't they just stop this slaughter now? Why, you know, why do they have to wait for however many years and still continue to abort 8 million babies a year until they finally decide they're going to lift all, all birth restrictions? So, I, you know, I just, I just feel terrible that they haven't just completely done away with it already. Well, and I think also what's a major controversy and 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 uh, puzzle here as well, Reggie, and that is this notion. And you and I have talked about this in the past. This horrific imbalance, where you know mo most countries, left to their own, the split between male female population is 
pretty much right down the middle. God tends to know what he's doing in these things. And so, you know, at the end of the day, as the old saying goes, there's a boy for every girl and a girl for every boy. Such has not been the case for decades in China. We've talked about the fact that there is a significant overpopulation of men versus women in China today. We've seen this coming. I just have to wonder why it has taken the authorities in Beijing so long to realize that, yeah, beyond the whole murdering babies thing, which is kind of significant, there's also this notion of what it's doing to undermine the ability for the country to be able to just experience normal growth and as it does so to provide the you know the resources and i you know we I, I suppose it's a little bit on the cold side to refer to human beings as resources but at the end of the day if we have a significant aging population and that population is not being replaced any society in history is going to suffer the consequences of that and i suppose finally now china's waking up to that i just have to wonder what took so long well, see, this is the thing that most people don't realize is that these uh, changes to the two-child policy and the three-child policy actually increase the sex-selective abortion of baby girls. You wouldn't think so, but it does. And the reason is this. People in China are reluctant to have babies at all because they're, it's very expensive. And so... When, for example, China went from a one-child policy to a two-child policy in 2016, there was a husband and a wife, and, the, and they already had a girl, and they thought that they were one and done. And then they went to a two-child policy, so he said, let's have another kid and make sure it's a boy. And he forced his wife to abort four baby girls, and then she died. And in terms of the three-child policy, there are going to be very few couples in China who, who want a third child. And my concern is the ones who do want one are going to be ones who already have two girls. And they're going to abort and abort and abort until they get that boy and the third child. I will be very surprised if the gender ratios don't get worse with the three-child policy than they already are with the two-child policy. Mm. Wow. And is part of this just because of conditioning, meaning that there's been so much propaganda shelled out by the authorities in Beijing for so many years that this push towards the abortion of women, and I understand that there is a cultural component to this as well, that's not a bad thing per se, but having a male to carry on the family heritage, the family name, and so forth, I mean, it, it's common in a lot of cultures, we just don't typically abort in order to receive it. But would you imagine that part of this is just because there's the, almost the sense that this has been, been sort of uh, programmed into that culture? Uh, yes, absolutely, Craig. And so it's, it's a situation where for I don't know how long, whether it's, it's you know, dozens of years or if it's centuries, but um, not just in China, but in many places in Asia, including India, including other places, they just believe that girls are better than bo or boys are better than girls. But the thing is that recently, like in the last I don't know, 50 years, um, you, you, you have the confluence of ultrasound technology so you can see wh what you're carrying beforehand and abortion. And so then that's why all of the, many of these countries have spiked up on the sex selective abortion of baby girls because they didn't, because you can figure out what, 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 what the gender is and you can abort the baby. But that's why we have um, an amazing, we're the only organization in the world that has boots on the ground inside of China that's actively saving baby girls 
from sex selective abortion and abandonment, um, and also grinding poverty. And we are actually changing the culture in the areas where we are, because we will go to the door of a distressed mom who's, who has a second daughter or even a third daughter, God forbid, you know, for her, um, and say, congratulations on your daughters. Girls are as good as boys, and we will give her a monthly stipend for a, a year, $25 a month in Chinese money, and she can use that to, to, to push back against her husband and push back against his parents, because those are the ones who are pushing her to abort or abandon the baby. And she'll just say, you know, I can't abort or abandon this baby. Look, she's a lucky girl. She's already bringing money into the family, and we've saved about 300 babies in that way. So they're, they're, and we're changing the culture in our villages so that girls more and more are considered to be equal to boys. If you've just joined us, Reggie Littlejohn is with us. She is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, an international coalition that exposes and opposes forced abortion, gender side, and in the case of sexual slavery, that in China. We're talking about a, a shift really taking place within the Communist Party in Beijing that is moving apparently, or at least making noises about moving away completely from what had been their um, one child to two children to now three child policy. Uh, they are stating that they're going to wait until uh, lifting this in 2025. And as Reggie points out, well, what's going to change in four years? Why wait? What's the what's the real goal? What's the real agenda here? And as we point out, you know, part part of the issue here is an imbalance between the genders in China overall an aging population and when you combine the two along with the very real desire of china for worldwide political and military domination they need young people they need folks that will grow up to become the next generation of soldiers and politicians and they're not getting that because of their own mistakes so is this a good thing or is it a bit of a mixed bag We'll continue our conversation with Reggie Littlejohn. Information, by the way, on the web at womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. That's womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. Let's get you updated on some traffic, then we'll come back to more of our conversation with Reggie Littlejohn as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation. With us is the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, Reggie Littlejohn. We've been talking about the controversial one-child policy, which ruled policy in China for many, many decades. And over the ensuing years now, China is beginning to pay the price. They've come to the slow realization that there is not only an imbalance between the sexes in the nation, where left to itself, most countries have just about 50-50, and that's the way it ought to be. Every boy has a girl and vice versa. But more important, perhaps, than even that issue is the fact that they are experiencing an aging uh, population that's not being replaced. But as we talk about the possibility of them altogether relinquishing the um, restrictions, it went from one child to two to three to now lifting all birth restrictions, allegedly, potentially, by 2025. Beyond the question of why wait, the other question is how much will actually change? And I pose this question, Reggie, because 
it's one thing to say we've changed the policy, but there are issues abound in relationship to caring for a child, the expenses that are related to all of that. When you're in a country where the entirety of the economy is controlled by a central government that not only stipulates who gets the jobs and how much they get paid, but where they're able to live and a whole vast variety of issues at hand here. It's not just like saying, well, we're going to have an extra baby in the family. Great for us. We'll put in a few extra hours at work every week to cover the additional expenses. Child rearing in China is outrageously expensive, maybe not unlike any other part of the world for that matter. But I have to wonder whether or not this is going to, while it might officially give Beijing bragging rights that they have changed policies that would curtail abortion, I have to wonder from the practical standpoint, will it really, in your opinion? Okay. No. Um, so, so this is the thing. No matter uh, when they say that they're going to change the policy in 2025, um, I have a qu- question for them, which is: uh, Are they going to make it so that anyone can have a baby, or are they going to say all couples can have as many children as they want? That word is so important because, like I said, they've been forci- forcibly aborting about eight million women a year, and I believe that most of those are single moms, and so if they say any couple can have as many as they want, are they still going to continue to forcibly abort single moms? And the other thing I wanted to say, Craig, is that we've been saying, why are they waiting? Why, you know, why don't they just get rid of the policy completely? And I think that I have an answer, and the answer is this. Right now, the Chinese Communist Party is committing genocide in Xinjiang, China, against the Uyghurs, the Kazakhs, and other ethnic minorities, and one of the main ways that they are committing genocide is through forced abortion, forced sterilization, and infanticide. And the excuse that they have been giving is by saying China has a two-child policy, and so now these weird families have three children, and they have interned something between like something like one million to three million Uyghurs in what amounts to concentration camps, and a lot of those are interned because they had, quote-unquote, too many children. And I think, number one, now that they've gone from a two-child policy to a three-child policy, I call upon the Chinese Communist Party to release every Uyghur parent who is in a concentration camp because they had too many children and restore their children to them under the three-child policy. Mm. And number two, I personally believe that the reason that they're not willing to let go of this coercive population control is so that they can continue to hammer the Uyghurs over it in Xinjiang. So this this could be, even if they were with much pomp and circumstance to announce a change in this policy sooner than 2025, there may be a critical asterisk to all of this, meaning that it could say that this applies to the totality of the Chinese population, with the exception of the significantly large Uyghur population. We also know that uh, there has been tremendous angst between Beijing and China's um, fairly significant Islamic population, particularly in provinces like uh, Yunnan and Henan. And that being the case, the ability to control population growth, be it amongst the Muslims or the Uyghurs, um, is, is handy if you have a limitation to the number of children that you can have. So it, it's not as if this is going to be, uh, you know, suddenly, as I said before in my opening remarks, the light bulbs come on and we're going to change the policy because we recognize that 
it has done untold damage to the birth rate as well as the aging of the overall population in China. So there there may be yet some caveats in here, so it sounds like what you're suggesting is this is not a time to celebrate, at least not yet. No, not at all, because they are still forcibly aborting women in Xinjiang, and they're still forcibly aborting women throughout China if they're a single mom. It's still, that remains illegal. And coercion is at the core of their character. So I wouldn't put it past them to start implementing some kind of a, a forced uh, pregnancy or for, forced procreation per, per program, that if people don't mm. you know, start producing babies, that they will, they will you know, provide incentives or maybe people will lose their job if they're eligible to have a second or a third child and they don't. I mean, who knows what they're going to do? They, they want to control everyone. Beijing wants to extend its arm to every single woman in China and put its hand inside and, and declare life or death over the beating heart that's inside. Well, and the issue of potentially, as you're suggesting, potentially flipping this where it moves from trying to control the number of children that were being born, which largely they did in the beginning to not only control some of the minority populations to which we've referred to just a moment ago, but also because there were concerns about the ability for China to keep up with farmland production to provide for people, jobs, etc., etc. Well, now this could flip as they're dealing with the aging population that's not being replaced. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that we can even offer it tongue-in-cheek when we say that I've got to see as China continues to demonstrate its, its global aggression and designs on global dominance that one of the key components to that, of course, is the Chinese military. And you need a lot of 18-year-olds to pull that off. And so I could potentially see, as you're suggesting, a move where it's not they're going from forced abortion to forcing women to birth child's children in order to keep up with the population that they're looking for. And there's precedence for that. We saw that take place in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, where women were being encouraged to have as many babies as possible. And at one point, uh, it, it was even handled in such a fashion that they don't really care whether or not it was one father or multiple fathers, just as long as they were procreating as, as, at as fast a pace as possible. Right, and even if China did that today, I, they've still got 30 million marriage-age men uh, that have no wives, and that is that is either a recipe for uh, social unrest or for a very large army. Because <laughs> what are they going to do with all these ex these extra males? Uh, but but the other thing that this brings up is what I call the invisible victims of the one-child policy, which is the elderly. So, you know, the, the senior suicide in China has skyrocketed over the last 20 years, parallel with the one-child policy, and, um, and in the countryside especially, uh, three times the number of women as men kill themselves. And so I, I mentioned that we have this network inside of China that's saving baby girls, but that same network is saving abandoned widows who have no family to support them and who are destitute, and some of them are committing suicide. So we are providing um, dignity and, again, $25 a month to help them just, you know, eat and or heat their apartment or do something um, so that they can survive. And so critically important. I want to touch on that a bit in depth when we come back after the break because, uh, you know, we often think in comparison to the policies and the safety nets that are in place 
in countries like the United States, where if a woman loses a husband to war or through sickness or disease, the government will help pay for the burial. The government will provide spousal benefits. If your husband was receiving more Social Security than you, you can apply for his Social Security. On and on the list goes. There's an overabundant number of resources available for the aging population in America. In China, that's not the case. And we're still... In rural areas where if you think there's a demand for senior services within the big cities, it's it, it's absolutely out of control in the rural areas where no programs exist whatsoever. And you're right, a lot of widows, uh, husband dies from a heart attack or keels over from plowing the family farm at the age of 60, and she has no marketable skills. Um, the temptation to check out, sadly, to take their own life is a strong one. We're visiting today with Reggie Littlejohn, the founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers. More information, by the way, available on the web at Women's Rights Without frontiers.org that's women's rights without frontiers.org we'll take a brief time out return to more of the conversation reason through the question of what is happening to that aging population and most importantly how can we help i'm craig roberts you're in tune with the tuesday edition of lifeline an update back with more right after this this report is sponsored by expresspros.com in San Francisco, on the 10th Street on-ramp to southbound 101, a crash involving a motorcycle and a car partially blocking that ramp. Traffic was already heavy on the ramp trying to get to southbound 101. Traffic had a stop from South Van S. A stall in San Pablo, eastbound 80, right at San Pablo Dam Road. That's blocking the right-hand lane. San Jose, southbound 280 at the Lawrence Expressway. A crash involving a minivan and a pickup truck now cleared to the right-hand shoulder. Traffic still solid approaching the area. Traffic had a stop in Concord eastbound 4 between Pacheco Boulevard and 242. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. Now is the time to get a new job. Express Employment Professionals never charges job seekers a fee and has more than 35,000 job openings with high demand in construction, driving, logistics, and administrative jobs. Find a location near you at ExpressPros.com or on the Express Jobs app. MMBB provides quality retirement benefits for pastors. Email the Reverend Augie Bow for information. Augie.bau at mmbb.org. Even those who serve God need a strong retirement plan. MMBB Financial Services understands the unique demands of ministry. We offer flexible, affordable retirement plans for your church or faith-based organization. To learn more, visit our website, mmbb.org, or call 866-860-1293. That's 866-860-1293 or mmbb.org. Our nation's pandemic and subsequent financial crisis has affected hundreds of thousands. Many of those hardest hit are right here in the Bay Area. Many are neighbors, friends, even folks we go to church with. Jobless, hopeless, homeless. Since 1965, the Bay Area Rescue Mission has been caring for the homeless and impoverished, providing food, shelter, and a fresh start for those struggling with addiction or personal economic crisis. Most importantly, the Bay Area Rescue Mission delivers the hope of the gospel message to each and every one they reach. Right now, your gift of just $40 will provide 20 meals. $60 provides 30 meals to families struggling economically and those living on our streets. 
Your partnership with the Bay Area Rescue Mission helps meet the physical needs of hurting families and the spiritual needs as well. To share your tax-deductible gift of hope today, simply go to bayarearescue.org. That's bayarearescue.org. Find out what's happening in the Christian community at NorCalChristianEvents.com. You'll find events like the Living Room Reset with Kirk Cameron. You'll also find the Boardwalk Beach Blitz Youth Event, Christian Overnight at the Santa Cruz Boardwalk, awesome event, Casting Crowns, and many more at NorCalChristianEvents.com. And to get your event listed, contact us through the website, NorCalChristianEvents.com. Want to get some work done on your house this summer but not sure who to call? Well, check the NorCal Christian Business Directory at norcalchristian.com. You'll find businesses with integrity that you can count on, like our friends over at TWFG Insurance Services in Fremont and Guaranteed Auto Service in Hayward and many more at norcalchristian.com. And if you want to get your business listed, contact us at 888-707-1929 or through the website norcalchristian.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back to our conversation. Reggie Littlejohn, my guest, she, of course, founder, president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers. Information available again on the web at womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. Reggie, you brought up before the break the topic of what's happening with many elderly women, particularly in uh, communist China, where uh, there aren't that many resources, quite frankly. It's not like it is here where, you know, you can go to a retirement community, you can find uh, a variety of resources, uh, particularly for uh, elderly folks that are by themselves. These kinds of programs just simply don't exist in China. And when you get into the rural areas, it becomes uh, absolutely untenable. So tell us a bit more about what Women's Rights Without Frontiers is doing, and most importantly, to the broader picture of these topics, how can we stand with you to help? Oh, thank you for asking, Craig. So this is this is the thing, okay? I, I call the widows the, the invisible victims of, of the one-child policy, and so many of them are, are truly destitute. And just as there has been a culture of um, aborting girls, there is a culture of abandoning widows. And the reason that they're so destitute is that and this has to do with son's preference, too, is that China, as you said, does not have Social Security the way that we do. What they have is sons. And the son is supposed to take care of, of his parents in, the, in their old age. But if you are down to a one-child policy and you don't have a son, then you, you have nobody to take care of you. And that is, is part of the reason, a big part of the reason for the gender side that we've seen, the sex-selective abortion of baby girls. Um, but there's also a culture in China uh, and, I, and I think this has to do with the fact that the Chinese Communist Party is officially atheistic, that people are viewed very, very materialistically. Like, if you don't contribute to society, you're just a burden. And in our area, uh, and not only in our area, but all over China, there's, there's just been this rise of, of senior suicide that's almost pressed on these poor widows. Like, there was um, one of our widows that we're supporting... When her husband got sick, their daughter-in-law went and told the neighbors, why did not he just die? It would be so much, you know, his, mm. his, his, his sickness is so expensive. And then she talked about a woman in their, in their area. When she found out that she had breast cancer, she hung herself on the tree in the backyard to save her family the medical expenses. And that was shown as like a noble act. This is what we're up against. 
because it's, it's, it's atheistic. They do not understand that human beings are created by God in their image. They do not understand the dignity of every human being, and they just regard, you know, if, if you're not producing for society, you're just a burden. And then a lot of these elderly people, they just, they give up and they, and they, and they kill themselves. Um, so, so like I said, we have this network inside of China, and I would encourage people to go to womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org and click the button on the right-hand side, the big red button called Save a Widow, and watch the video there. You will see the faces of some of the widows that we are saving. But we have our field workers that go there every month and just and, and to tell the widow that, 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 that she is loved. Um, you know, our field workers happen to be very passionate Christians. A lot of these widows are coming to faith. Um, and provide them with $25 a month in Chinese money that helps them eat better or eat it all. I mean, one of our widows, you know, a couple days a week, she'd only eat salt because she didn't have money to eat, and she bought herself a rope to hang herself with when life, life got too tough. I mean, you know, we just can't imagine this in our, in, in our, land, in our country, but we're helping them. It's, it's unbelievable that we even have the ability to do this. Our field workers are very brave flying under the radar screen um, because because what they're doing would be, they are risking their freedom by doing this, but they care enough about these babies, they care enough about these widows to take that risk and get these, this money and this encouragement into their hands. And it's so critically important because, as you point out, not only is there a lack of these resources within the, the sort of official body of services provided by the government, but the government has philosophically... And from a societal standpoint, created this environment in the first place that has spent decades devaluing human life, treating people as just chattel or, you know, just a spoke in the bigger cog. That's that's the the society, that's the government, that's communism. And, and this is the end results. When you create that kind of environment and people begin to believe that they are absolutely without worth whatsoever, and suddenly they are as disposable to each other as they are to the government. Information, again, available on the web at womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. We urge you to check it out, get involved, help support what they're doing, save lives. It's critically important. Reggie Littlejohn with Women's Rights Without Frontiers. Thanks so much for the update. Again, on the web at womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. Six o'clock from KFAX. We've got more straight ahead, along with some important tips on what you can do with the increased violence in the San Francisco Bay Area to protect yourself and your family. We'll get to that topic after an update on traffic.